This is a conversation with Liesel Teversham about the Clifton Strength. Yeah, what I would love to do today is to, to really get this strengths perspective. So first of getting the basics, but also getting the, um, getting kind of the larger Im implications of what that means for me as an individual or for you as an individual to have this idea of, okay, so humans have strengths and the strengths may be different. You have different strengths than me. And um, what does that then mean for our life? And what does that mean also for working together for, for a society at large? Because I find this idea that we're all really different and that we may have completely different strengths fascinating and to just explore what, what does that mean? Because I'm not sure I fully understand the perspective of the strengths yet, but I think it actually has quite large implications if we look through that lens. Um, so that would be my hope for today, to just explore that with you. So thank you for talking to me about that. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's an it's a area that I um, really enjoy talking about. So um, <laughs> I, 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 I may not be able to give the overview in very, no, let's not say it that way. But if there's questions along the way with whatever I say, please ask me so that we can give this the full perspective because there may be bits because I think it's so normal to know it because it's all in my head. I may forget to say it. So just make sure to ask questions. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm, I'm very happy to do that. I will be just uh, asking questions. I, I mean, I find that that's also a really interesting thing. I, I know that as the curse of knowledge is once we know something, we think everybody does until Precisely. we realize they don't. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So maybe as a first question, I, I would really love to know, like, what are strengths in this perspective that you, you take? What are strengths? Hmm. So strengths, there's a difference between talents and strengths. Okay, and I'm not talking talents like uh, drawing or uh, musical talent. Talents in the Gallup, Gallup University has been doing research in this for 40 years or so. And this, is, this comes from Gallup University's perspective. So a talent is a pattern of thinking, feeling and behaving that can be productively applied. When we manage- so, Wait, 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 let, let, let's just stop there. So a talent is a pattern of thinking, feeling or behaving? Yes. That can be productively applied. applied. Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> what, 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 does, what does productively applied mean, most right. of all? So productively applied means you can do something with it that can be helpful and productive in your own life and in other people's lives. So we'll explore a little bit more about this as we go along because it, it may be easier to understand once we've explored the next little bits. Um, that, is, that is the Gallup uh, definition, a talent is a pattern, so it's, it's brain neural networks that are formed 
over using it over and over and over and over so we think in certain ways we feel in certain ways and we behave in certain ways and it's a talent if we can productively apply it but it but it's not a strength yet it can become a strength when we manage those patterns well and we add skills you know abilities knowledge all of that we add it to the talent then it become then it can become a strength and it becomes something that we um this is all sounding very theoretical so it may become much easier if we actually give examples yeah and i'm happy to go there i'm just trying to really get this so a talent is basically something you might be born with or you might have developed in early childhood or whatever like it sounds like the gallup approach is quite meh, whatever it is you you have that talent and then and then on their website they call it investing in that talent like they That's you right. invest into that talent and you develop you gain the cognitive concepts you need you gain the skills you need you practice and it's when that talent and the work come together so it's not the work by itself it's not the talent by itself it's, it's where they come together precisely then it can turn into a strength yes exactly it can when a when a talent is well managed it becomes a strength and it's when the two come together exactly like you've said so we've got these natural propensities some of it is nature some of it is nurture we do have genes that we get from our parents and grandparents. So some of it is there and some of it, we, now we also grow up in the, in the environment where those genes are. So we nurture them as well. So we, they grow stronger, but we can't necessarily yet do something productive with it. And that's where we need to invest in them and realize, okay, I've got a talent for empathy. Empathy comes naturally for me. How am I going to make the most of this and turn it into a strength? So for that, I sometimes need skills. I need to learn something and practice it to become a master of that. So that it truly turns into a strength. Um, there's actually, you know, so many thoughts flooding into my brain about it. And one of the thoughts that I want to add is, so that's the Gallup terminology. My strengths mental that I learned from explains a strength this way. A strength is a certain kind of an energy that comes out of you. And at the same time, it is a certain kind of need. So each strength, and in Gallup terms, we talk 34 specific strengths. Each strength has an energy that it brings with it. When I walk into the room with my empathy, immediately the uh, the emotional intelligence in the room goes up. Everybody is more aware of emotion. So it brings the energy of emotion into a room. And each talent also, or each strength also has their own needs. So my empathy talent, in order to be able to express itself, it, it needs an environment where that is allowed or, you know, safe to do so and and these other things as well so an energy or a, or a talent or a strength can also be described as an energy and a need and then i i get the energy i i mean i find that interesting if we look at that 
from this energetic, potentially there's a grid of energy, whatever uh, perspective, but also this need. And it sounds like in order for me to fully bring my strength, the environment needs to needs to provide something, but also I need to provide something to that strength. Are both of those true? They are both true. You're very, very perceptive. Um, they are both true. For instance, I think of a maximizer. There's a talent called maximizer. A maximizer needs other people to maximize. He, he, needs, he wants to maximize other people, take them from good to great. And at the same time, he needs to be maximized as well. So if, he, if he's not working in an environment where there are people or businesses or opportunities that he can maximize, that's the environment he needs to be in. His, his talent is going to be frustrated. He'll go into the frustration side of, I can't bring it out. So he needs the environment to provide those opportunities. And he also has a personal almost responsibility to say, this is what I need. And I, I need to be maximized. So, you know, provide, create opportunities for himself to be maximized. So, um, and this again, sounds like each strength has the, a light side to it, kind of the, the strength it can potentially bring, but it also has kind of a shadow to it that if it's not used, it actually can produce specific negative uh, results in the sense of if, I do, if I'm not in an environment where I can maximize myself or others, I actually get frustrated in a way that somebody who, who doesn't have that strength or who's not interested in that doesn't actually get frustrated. Exactly. And there's two kind of places that the shadow side, I think, can play out. The one is it doesn't have a, a healthy channel for it to go into. So it, you know, then it goes into like frustrations and, 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 you know, each strength has different patterns, patterns of thinking, feeling and behaving that it will go into. And then the other bit is, um, let me just think, because I had it so sharply a moment ago. Oh, yes, it, <laughs> we can either underuse it. That's the one shadow part, or we can overuse it. Mm -hmm. And that's almost like a part that hijacks us, that jumps into the driver's seat all of the time. And it doesn't give the other strings a chance to do their own work. And it just kind of, and it can make our lives very unpleasant. And then it becomes a detriment. And that is a mismanaged strength can become a detriment. So we can either mismanage it by overusing jumps in the driver's seat all the time or we can mismanage it actually by underusing by not giving it a healthy channel and and that can of course happen when we're not even aware we have the strength so um maybe before we get a little bit more concrete i i, I as a person really enjoy big picture and then getting into the details so that's probably why i'm asking these questions um but um it sounds like in one way what this approach is asking for is basically saying know yourself, know what your strengths are. And then there is this aspect of, and then knowing that, um, manage 
your life, yourself in a way where you actually use your strengths um, so that you don't overuse one and underuse another one, but you actually use what you have available to you. Yes, that's beautifully put. Exactly. None of the development or the really channeling them usefully can happen if we're not even we don't even know them or that they exist or how powerfully they can work for us um, so it all starts with awareness and then development and um, can you maybe give two examples of or two or three or something like that of strengths so we can maybe get a taste for what this Gallup approach would consider a strength let my mind go to which ones might be useful. Um, I also want to say two things about strengths before I get there, just for another bigger picture of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. type of thing is the one is it's rooted in positive psychology. The whole strengths movement is rooted in positive psychology and it asks what's right with us, mm -hmm. not what's wrong with us. So that's the whole approach is we're going to look at the patterns that are right with us and strengthen them even more by developing them. So now let's get to a, an example. Intellection, right? That's a strength. Um, that's in the thinking domain. So there are four different domains of strengths. There's executing, there's influencing, there's relational, and then there's thinking. And Intellection is a, is a talent theme in the thinking domain. So intellection is the talent that can think very deeply, multiple layers from different angles, in, in so many different shapes and forms and for hours and hours, busy thinking through things in, in, in such depth. And it brings incredible wisdom. By the time somebody has used their intellect, intellectual talent to think things through very carefully, when they eventually speak or write or do something with all that thinking, there will be huge wisdom that comes out of that. Now, when we are not aware that it's a strength, People could see it as, oh, you're too up in your head. We sometimes get blamed or labeled for our strengths and they, people make it into a weakness or a, a shameful thing, you know, something to be labeled. Like you're too up in your head. You're thinking, why are you so quiet? I've sat in how many courses where a person is busy explaining something and I have to run it through my mind. And in my mind, I'm busy connecting it to 10 other things that I've already learned it's like busy connecting the dots and you know going wild lots is happening here in my mind but a person who is more verbal expressor will think that I'm too quiet like they will ask me why are you so quiet well, there's 10,000 things happening up in my brain so for a person with high intellection thinking is almost as active as doing is for somebody else so it's a very, very active brain thinking through things in multiple, multiple layers and outcomes, wisdom and well thought through ideas. So that's one example in the thinking theme. Mm -hmm. 
And can I can I just ask one question? So I I can fully get why why you you can look at that as a strength and how that produces certain maybe distilled uh, insights that you cannot get to without thinking it through. Now, I would imagine that can be a strength in the thinking field. It could at the same time be a massive weakness if I try to use that in the relational field. Like if, if I'm in a relationship and somebody asks me a question, I'm like, I'll get back to you in five days. Yes, I, I would like pudding. Like that, that could be, that could be a real difficulty. It, yes, and I agree with you. It could produce difficulties, and I wouldn't call it a weakness. It, it's uh -huh. still a strength. It's not a well-managed strength thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So just the, the, the terminology just helps us to see, okay, what am I doing with this strength? We can, mm -hmm. we, we can still, you know, if it's, a, if it's another intellectual person, they will absolutely understand that. Be like, right. Uh, okay, maybe we will, we will maybe maybe have pudding in five days. I get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I have a second question, so let's make it seven days. Chocolate or vanilla if you want pudding. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it depends who you talk to, how frustrating it would be for them. And and still the key is to manage these strings well, otherwise it can become a detriment, exactly. So it mm. can lead to um, relational detriments, vocational detriments, things that just don't work well. So the minute we, we realize there's something dysfunctional, something not working, we can look to our strings to say, how can I manage them better? And this goes back to the positive psychology lens of let's see what is working and how we can improve on that. I imagine there can also be the other side of sometimes it's not just a mismanaged strength, but actually maybe a difficult pattern we've developed in the past. But this would be the strengths perspective, would be how to deal with this situation from our strengths. From our strengths, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes what happens is we can use, because all of us have, you know, there's a list of 34 strengths and around about the top 10 to 12, are our strong patterns, are the, the patterns, the strengths that make us feel strong. That's the definition. The other definition is it makes us feel strong when we use them. So if we have one of them as intellection and it wants to think, a strength never actually operates in isolation. The other 11 are there as well. And if we realize intellection wants to think for five days, we can ask one of the other talents like, hang on, you know, this is not going to work. Which of my other talents can I use to help me you know, make this more working for everybody? Or So it's basically a model of a multiplicity. We have multiple parts and they can actually uh, be active at the same time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yes. It's a problem when one wants to hijack the entire boardroom. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so we had intellection yeah. as one example. Yeah, so let me think of another one. So let's think of an executing talent example. I'll use the one of discipline comes to mind. So discipline, it sounds like self-discipline, it's not. They just had to choose words that encompass a whole lot of, you know, 
15 to 12 maybe little themes in each of these talents. So discipline is the talent of structure, order, and routine. Those are things that are important to this talent. And that comes naturally to this talent. So discipline looks at its diary and it says, right, I need a plan for my day. And they go in and they plan their day like every minute can be planned. That's the way they love and enjoy it. So like this hour, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. Or a project, I need to do this, then that, then that, then that. Structure, order, you know, every Tuesday I want to do the same thing, then I feel like I'm strong. So, so, so through this definition of strength, they have a talent in that, they have trained that, and it makes them feel strong when they do that. Yes, they may not necessarily have trained in that, but they've done it over and over. So they may not yeah. have skills, but they've trained by practicing it over and over. Yeah, so, and I, I, I didn't mean trained in the, I took a training for that, but right. I've done it over and over. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yes. As we, I think around three years of age, around three years of age starts, um, you know, up to that point, babies and young children get so many new neural networks and then at some point there's too many and it, the brain has to start pruning and certain neural networks start falling away and the ones that are left are our strengths and our talents. That's what comes easy to us and what makes us feel like, yes, I'm me, like I, I you know, these are the things that are easy and, and, and creative for me. So discipline has done that perhaps over and over and over, you know, put structure into whatever they are busy doing. It can be uh, following a recipe. Exactly. Um, I have a friend who's a chef and the kind of plans he puts into place where he goes and cooks for people are like to the minute he plans when the turkey must go into the oven, when he needs to start making the sauce when he needs to do this thing it's planned to the minutes perfection planned details so they do this easily and without even thinking about it and they cannot understand that it's hard for other people to be so planned and structured and ordered in their days or in their cupboards or you know clothing will be like neat and tidy and then maybe arranged by colors or um, you know by the style or something like that as long as they have that structure it works for them so of course that can also have its own detriments because not everybody can be uh, like that so if they teach that method and they can't understand that people can't follow it it's you know it can <laughs> be hard for the students or it can just like take over and be totally inflexible like I, they feel very uncomfortable if something suddenly comes and upsets their routine. It's very, very hard for them to deal with that. And it, it's like it pushes them over and they battle to, you know, stand upright again from that kind of energetic influence. So, Lucas, is there anything else that you were wondering about this talent, for instance? Um. No, it makes a lot of sense what you say, especially when you were describing how uh, you, you use the words they've done it over and over again. And I was just thinking that probably, especially with something like discipline, like they have definitely done that over and over again, because that's 
that's what they do. They do things over and over again in a similar fashion. So I, very, I just thought that was pretty point. funny. <laughs> um, it's an but, excellent point. Um, but in my mind, I was just comparing discipline, for instance, with intellection and how if I'm truly trying to, to think something tr through it, I can't plan that. I cannot say, okay, I have 20 minutes now to think about the positive things. And then I have 20 minutes to think about the negative things. I mean, that can work to some degree and it can be helpful, but that's not the same process of thinking. Whereas if I'm like, oh, I'm just going to sit here until I've figured out how to do this thing with my business, I'll probably never get started with actually doing anything. So, um, they just function completely differently and they have very different roles in life and in our day-to-day -day life. Precisely. Very different roles. And we can't expect the one. So there's no cookie cutters where we can say like this one is going to fit into the same kind of slot as that one. We just have to slot it into different places. They all have very different ways of functioning. They bring different benefits to the table. Um, Yes, and, and problems come in when we try and expect that one to be the same as this one in some way. Um, mm -hmm. They're all so unique, yes. And the, the second point you talked about is that this can kind of create uh, translation issues. If I try to maybe having strong discipline and I try to give you advice or give you a solution to a problem you're facing, but you have very low discipline, and you work differently, that can create irritation because my methods will not work for you. And I may not even be able to understand why not. And I will just say that you're weak willed or whatever, rather than understanding that you're actually built differently than me. Precisely. Yes. We bl <laughs> so fascinating how we label other people. There's, each of the strings have kind of their own lens with which they view life and almost in a way judge others who can't see it that way. For instance, the lens of, there's another talent called achiever, is that people who can't work as hard as I can are lazy. Mm -hmm. Discipline might think, yes, somebody is just being, um, maybe they think they're lazy as well, like, or they're weak-willed, or they just don't have what it takes, or something like that. that. Like, each one of the talents has got its own lens through which it views other people, or the world. It's like, this is my disciplined view of the world. It expects, there's one of the... Um, what do you call it like a principle we work with in strengths that says we like the fish in the water with our own strengths. Mm -hmm. We know the water so well that we don't realize it's there anymore. So what our strengths feel so normal to us that we assume everybody else has it as well and understand it the way that I understand life. The way that I can do life is how everybody else should be able to do it because it feels normal in my body for all these 50 years to have operated this way. So why can't everybody else do it? And it talks exactly about what you said a minute ago is the uh, sort of blaming somebody else or 
trying to give them advice from my strengths and it may not land for them at all because they have got it they have it in their bottom five to eight what we have in our bottom five to eight is uh, on what we call our non-patterns they are not patterns for us and it's very hard to try and function in those ways we can and it takes a lot of effort and energy and it's not sustainable so so basically in the in the gallup way we have our strengths we have our non-patterns and in between that we have like semi-patterns or how do you call the middle yes we call them well functioning well functioning functioning yes we can choose them mm -hmm. they're not the default but they're still functional we can choose them we can say like, okay today i need this one let me just call on it Mm -hmm. And the non-patterns are basically, maybe in the metaphor of pruning, they were they were the stuff that just got pruned. Like, yes. I didn't need that in my first three years, so my brain was like, fuck this shit, <laughs> get rid of that. And yeah. now it's just not there. It's not there, or it's there in yeah. a minimal amount. And here's the problem with trying to improve our weaknesses. It takes a very long time because... The strengths have been practiced, like you say, trained earlier, 10 million times, 50 million times easily. It's been practiced that well. It's so easy for us. The non-patterns, you know, maybe there's still thin little neural networks there, but to get it to the same strength as the other ones are going to take effort and energy and repetition, conscious repetition until it becomes unconscious. And it's very, very, very hard work. The brain is a energy saving machine it wants to do as little as possible with too much energy so it will keep defaulting to the strong ones so it takes conscious effort to improve what's right down at the bottom so it's it's what Gallup's saying you know what <laughs> don't do that don't waste your energy there keep on improving what's here F you know focus on them manage your bottom strengths and there's two ways to manage them I want to get to them in a second. I just want to kind of make sure that I understood that part because um, so it sounds like you can improve your non-patterns. You can build them into patterns. It's just a lot of effort. Yeah. And it's, I'd say, they probably say, not in my words here, but they say, like, it's, it's not recommended. You're going to spend mm -hmm. your whole life trying to improve those bottom things where you've, you could have had a life of joy, energy, inspiration, motivation, loving it by building on your what's already right with you. Instead of saying, mm -hmm. let me try and bring these bottom ones up. You, it's, I don't know that it's actually really possible to bring them up to the same level and have enough lifetimes mm -hmm. yeah no i wasn't meaning that you would get them to a strength i was just meaning you would kind of you are able to improve on them you can improve on them yes um and and maybe this even goes into what it means to manage a, a non-pattern i'm curious what, what are the two ways of managing them 
Yeah. So the two ways are we manage around them. In other words, if there's a task or a project or a business thing or whatever that requires one of our bottom strings, we can manage around it by asking some of our top strings to come in and help. So say discipline is very low for me and I need to structure and order my day. I can ask my achiever that's very high help me because Achiever loves ticking boxes and says, yes, I've done it, I've done it. So I can ask Achiever, well, Achiever, just help me to get this done by, I want to tick these boxes by the end of the day. So help me in that way. So we can manage around the bottom ones by using our top ones. And the other way to do it is to get help from somebody who's high in that string. That's why I truly believe we need each other. We, we are not supposed to be in the strengths view of the world. We're not supposed to be balanced or equally good in everything that we try. So when I listen to that, it, it seems like you have certain, you have certain challenges in your life. In your case, you're, you're creating your own business. So you just have certain shit that needs to get done. And, um, and maybe the, the discipline pattern or, or the discipline strength would be the natural um, strength to do that, but that's not very developed. So you kind of build your own way of, of dealing with these situations. And if you notice that doesn't work, what then? Um, there may be some other strengths that you can call on, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, I've tried to achieve it now. Uh, whew, okay. That didn't work so well. So which other one can I call on or a combination of two of them that can help me get things done. So what then is, then you ask somebody who's high in that strength, either to come into your space, um, with a focus mate session, for instance, mm -hmm or just working together like a little collaboration, like, you know, I know somebody in my mastermind group has a talent high in this thing and I just can't get it done. So can I ask that person for an hour of their time just to help me with this thing? And I give an hour of my time for something that they're struggling with. Something like and, and this would go back to the, to the idea of it being uh, an energy is that when I'm actually in the space with somebody that can support me to actually do that thing. Yeah, exactly. The energy of that thing comes into the room when I'm in touch with this person. It just works. I've seen it over and over. Hmm. Okay. So a few minutes ago, you had this comparison of, okay, so you can work on your, on your non-patterns and have a, have a horrible life. <laughs> you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't use those words, but that was kind of implied there. Um, <laughs> or <laughs> you, could, you could work with your strengths and actually have a good life. So um, can you describe that version of if you stick to your strengths, you'll have a good life. Can you describe what that would mean through this Gallup lens? Yeah, that's such a great point and a question is, of course, there's also because we're, you're, 
unique individuals, there's various versions of this. The ideal world is that when we use our strengths, we are at our most creative, productive, effective. We love how we do things and what we do. We feel strong. Um, we feel, I want to do this again. We feel excited about our life and how our days went. Like, yes, this was good. Yes, I'm tired at the end of the day and tomorrow I want to do it again. We feel fulfilled. Um, I'm in the right place at the right time. We feel energized. We don't need a holiday from this life. Although it's still good to take rest and recharge times, of course, for anybody. But it doesn't feel like I have to escape my life. I'm building a life that I thoroughly enjoy. Of course, in any life, there's still going to be the times that we just have to get shit done. And the, the predominance of time, we're going to feel this way. If I'm using my strengths, and, and it's a kind of, it's almost like strengths tell us how we're going to do things, not what we should do. So it doesn't necessarily give us an indication of what career I should follow, although it can help us to decide but it's more like strengths tell us how we're going to do everything. So they can be managers, ex excellent managers of teams who have lots of thinking talents or lots of relational talents or lots of influencing talents. And they will each do the job differently, but they can be an excellent manager because they do it from their strengths and they manage to the other people's strengths. So that's, an important thing about working with teams as well. So I know I have a solo business, but if I know my client's strengths, I know how to run a session to make it easier for them to bring what they need to bring. So, and this seems to be a very core idea, this idea of um, it tells me how to do things, not what to do. So I, I mean, I imagine if I, I have absolutely no strengths in the relational. I may not be the best therapist if there's absolutely nothing there. But maybe, maybe that's a black and white example. Um, but so basically what you would suggest is knowing my strengths, creating a life and creating a way in which whatever my job is, whatever my uh, situations are, creating it in such a way that I can apply my strengths. Yes. Can you give a, can you give a concrete example for that? I am not sure I fully get that one yet. Yeah. So just going back to your question about, say I've got zero relational strengths and I, reality is I'm possibly not going to be drawn to be a therapist. So it, it possibly won't even be in the mix of possibilities for me. Um, so let me think of a concrete example. I have um, in my top, I think my top 13 strings are my full complement of strong strings, if I can call it that way, right? There are 
I think there are two, two thinking strengths in there and then three executing strengths and the rest of them are relational. So I'm working whenever, throughout my entire life, it's always worked for me that people just come to me with problems and I never knew why. I thought there was a sticker here that said, tell me your problems. I, I never found that sticker. So when I found strengths like, oh, finally, I think I'm in the right job. I'm in the right career for what my strengths naturally do. So all my strengths want to be involved with people, thinking about them and then doing things in a certain way. Um, so that's one example I can think of. Um, somebody who's a programmer, for instance, it, it might be that they were drawn to that career because they have very high analytical strengths. Um, strategic thinking is another strength. Um, if you're a programmer and you don't have those strengths high, it may feel like a bit of a struggle. It may just not be as easy for you to write the programs that come really easily to some other people. It's just a little bit harder. It takes you a little bit longer. It's, you can't think of the kind of complex algorithms and formulas and things that other people find really, really easy. That was a, an example in my own life. My analytical strength is in my well-functioning talents, but I was a computer programmer for eight years. I did not like maths at school, but I've got some form of logical thinking at least, and I was a programmer and it, I just didn't find it as easy as other people and I still loved it because my learner strength loved learning new things. I loved learning, pro, you know, oh, programming, interesting new area, new programming language, lovely, I love it. And the analytical part, you had to do the formulas and all of that, it's like, eh, this is hard. And <laughs> so that's one example. I still did it, I loved it until my learner got bored. Like, okay, I know this now, what's next? So mm -hmm. did, did give some examples that made it a little clear. Yeah, can, so from what you described, it seems like you have no strengths in the influence department. That is correct. Okay. They're so, all in the bottom for me. Uh-huh. So how do you deal with being a solopreneur? How do you deal with things like selling? making offers because that would sound to me like a more influence area so how do you deal with that with my relational strengths i build relationships that's the only thing i need to do and it really really works for me i don't have to convince anybody when i've built a relationship with that person and they've learned to trust me because i truly just have a desire to be of use to people to help to make their lives easier, to, to make things a little bit calmer where they were tumultuous. Um, I don't need to convince anybody. I don't need to influence them at all. The relational strengths are very strong for me. So that comes easily to me. You've basically found a way to sell without selling, but rather of building a relationship and then being like, yeah. That's it. 
that's it and it, and it just <laughs> my husband keeps saying to me because he's more in the sort of technological area and they had to close big deals with companies and corporates and so on he said to me you have such a high close rate and for me even using the words closing rate it's like yeah that feels horrible it doesn't fit into my relational strengths because that feels too influencing too pushy too like like i convinced somebody to do something i don't have to convince anybody they you don't to want to convince anybody no i don't want to so my relational strengths can do that same job well because i believe in what i do that's another strength that's there in my top strengths um I believe in what I do. I truly care about the person and they can feel that. And then it's not a sale. It's just, yes, they want to work with me. I think for me, that's a really good example of this because, I mean, number one, it's a question of uh, mindset. Like how do we look at sales or uh, whatever we want to call it in the end. Um, but it's also a question of how do I approach that challenge? Because it is there and it won't go away, but how do I approach that? And do I approach it as a relationship or do I approach it as a sale or a close? Yes, yes, yes. The words even have a different feeling to them, right? In the yeah, yeah. one, it's people first. In the other one, it's maybe profit first or things first or an outcome first. You know, my bottom line or numbers or something. So, exactly. Um, and for people with high relational strengths, teaching them the other way won't sit right in their energy system. So it really matters also who we learn from. Um, if I try and learn from somebody who's got very high influencing talents and they do things a certain way and for them it works. They teach it that way because it works for them in their energy system. But in my energy system, it's going to great. I'm going to like just feel the discomfort of that. I cannot use the words they use. I can't use the methods they use. I've tried. Um, but finding a way that fits into our values and because our values have a lot to do with our strengths, um, just makes all the difference to how we approach things. Can you give me one example for an influence strength? Yes. Communication. It's called communication and it is the talent of verbal communication, verbal expression. So it's almost the opposite of intellection. That was high thinking, 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 and it doesn't want to express. Verbal expression, communication talent is all about whatever they think, they almost can't think without saying it. So they, it's, they, they want to express verbally and they can do that extremely well. They're usually incredibly um, skilled storytellers. When a person with high communication speaks, everybody is like, wow, it's an, like they use ways of saying things that just make sense. They find the perfect words to express it in ways that other people can, it can land for them. It just maybe like beautiful language. Um, so let me think what else about communication comes to mind. It's, it's just, they can help other people find words for things. 
talking comes naturally and easily to them. And they are usually the people who say, he says to high intellect, why are you so quiet? They want to hear what we are thinking. They truly want to hear what we are thinking and they, and they want to say what they are thinking. That's their method almost of thinking is when it is verbally expressed. So that is an influencing talent. And why does it influence people? Because of course, you know, it can be used like on stage. Um, you know, there's various ways like teaching courses. Um, I have a friend who's, who's, who's a, she teaches courses and she feels so energized by the end of every day. I've got low communication. It's in my bottom five. It's difficult for me. I sometimes stumble over my words. It's, it's not easy for me to talk and talk and talk. Um, and here I am talking and talking, but. <laughs> um, but so, then again, you're being asked questions. I imagine that's a difference if you answer a question rather than speak what you think should be important. Exactly. And that's, very, <laughs> that's a great distinction, uh, Lucas, I think. A person with high communication will be able to do that all day. Um, they never without something to say. Yes. And so the, the detriment of that is they can take over with too much verbal speaking and not give anybody else a chance. There's always the, the light and the shadow side. Um, so that's, that's one example of influencing. Another one is called command. And it's the person who takes charge when there's a difficult, chaotic, um, situation that needs somebody to take charge they come they've got this amazing presence about them everybody just they feel like an authority you just feel a big presence when they're in the room it can be a little intimidating for people with that talent and the opposite side of the spectrum but people listen when they talk and they take charge and they make decisions they can be confrontational they talk to things directly they want to be confronted as well they want the direct honest truth let's just get this done and they can flip from conflict or confrontation to calmness in minutes because it's not an emotional thing for them they just that's the energy they bring so taking charge being in control making decisions easy for them natural that's an influence mm -hmm. The, the next question I have would lead us, I think, a little bit away from just the pure strengths perspective. Um, but I'm curious, do you have anything you want to add maybe as a roundup to what we've already talked about? Because I think we've covered quite a lot of ground in about 55 minutes now. Yeah, a lot of ground. Um... Nothing comes to mind that wants to pop out right now. And I'm sure there's so many other ways of describing the things that I've talked about. So this is not the alpha and omega. It's not the be all and end all. It's not the whole story. We're picking at different pieces of it. So if we can no, what, in the way it sounds to me is very clearly like it's, it's a positive psychology perspective on this challenge and or on this on this kind of territory and giving a map of oh you have these strengths and these are not your strengths and uh let's deal with what you have 
Like that's yes. very much a positive psychology approach. Um, and I'm really curious about that because I know you also do EFT. So at least the way I know EFT, it's about you have certain challenges in your life and actually through tapping, you reduce these challenges. So I would, I would be really curious, how does the strength work and the work on, um, let's say, depending on what, sh what language people use, blockages or uh, m maybe like negative patterns or trauma or whatever, how does, how does that relate in, in your experience? Yeah, that is just a brilliant question. And so few people ask me because <laughs> the people I know are either in the strengths camp or they in the EFT camp. And so I'm sitting in the middle where one of my strengths is called harmony, where I can create win-win <laughs> situations. <laughs> and so this is what I find myself having to do between these two very opposing, almost opposing places, right? Um, because you're right, I started my EFT journey and all I thought about was how to solve problems, how to remove blocks, how to get past obstacles, how to reduce emotional charge. And then I found strengths like, oh my word, here's a completely different view that I've never thought about. How do I marry the two? It, it like rocked my brain and I was like, you know, I fell off my perch for a while. Like, how am I going to make sense of this? What, which one? Will I do now? I don't know. And so I'm still integrating five years later. What I found is, and this will come out in bits and pieces because I don't have this formulated well in my brain up to now, is that some, we talked about the shadow aspects of some of the strings. They can hijack us sometimes. They can make it difficult for us because they take over and they don't give the other strings a chance. There can be a wound in that strength. And that comes from childhood. And that's the stuff that we can work with with EFT. Can you give me an example for a wound in a strength? Yes. Um, I, let's say the wound is like it's it takes over or it's you know it's mismanaged in other words the places where this stre strength is mismanaged that causes me difficulties in my life for instance i'll just like let's make it real the talent of analytical it needs facts and data and proof and it asks a lot of why questions like why is it like that why do you say that how do you know that it can go into analysis paralysis though and sometimes it is, it gets stuck in that and it can't get out of it. And we can use EFT to help get past the fear. So if I'm thinking and thinking and thinking, it's possibly because I'm trying to keep me, myself safe. Because if I don't decide the right thing, you know, something unsafe is going to happen. So if we look at where did unsafe things happen for you and you know who was involved there and we work through that with EFT analytical can do its strength job and not not get stuck here in the analysis paralysis so basically that would be a perspective of sometimes what is actually a strength for me is overdoing it and through that overdoing it's actually creating problems and I can kind of free it. Yes, yes, 
Absolutely, I can free it so that it can keep focusing on what it can really bring and the amazing things that it can do and not get stuck in that either overdoing or underdoing place. Um, another example is my, my own empathy. Um, it can, because it's got empathy, it's got a big heart, it feels for people. Um, people can bring anything into my space and I can sit with it. And if I'm not careful, it turns into a bleeding heart. Like I was like that in my younger years, like everything hurts me because I can feel that person's pain or I can, it's like, I don't know what to do about this because I don't have high strategic thinking. Like, how can this person get out of this? Like, I just feel the empathy for them and I know what they're going through emotionally, but it can take my life over if I keep, because there's so many things that are difficult in the world, right? So if, if I keep feeling the empathy without realizing how detrimental it is for me to sit in that all day long, it, you know, like I can like be stuck and paralyzed in that. It's like the world is too harsh for me. I don't think I could deal with this. You know, I'll, I'll just sit in my room and not read the news and not, not, not deal with life because it's too hard for me. So I had to use tapping for my own things and I work with many people with that who find because they have high empathy as well who find it really really hard to face the difficulties of the world because we have empathy for it maybe asking the same question the other way around at least from the examples you've given let's assume we're tapping on a on a on a non-pattern and we find out there's actually like old pain and the wound around that non-pattern and we resolve that will that suddenly turn it into a like a functional pattern or not or what's your experience with that i i wish i had 10,000 hours experience in exactly this because i'd probably be able to give you a more definitive answer at the moment i can't um, I don't know. I can't give you a, like an, a yes or a no. I have not seen that happen in the experience that I have. I have seen quite often how a person has, say, high in a certain strength and through our talking they discover that something that they have in their bottom strength, a non-pattern, was high for their parent. So their parent was trying to raise them to be like that. Be responsible, be responsible, be responsible. Finish what you start. You know, you have to, you can't stop what you do. You said you're going to do this, do it. Um, so that was high for their parent, but it's in their bottom strength. So we have to clear out some of that energy, but it doesn't necessarily make that pattern jump very high. It still hasn't been practiced 50 million times. So, but uh, just from me thinking about it as I listen to you, what could be is that the charge around it being at the bottom five can drop and then we can actually manage it better. But it, but it, in your experience, it doesn't like suddenly get better. It, uh, it doesn't jump, but the charge can disappear or at least be less so that we can manage around it. Because here's another interesting thing about the bottom, bottom strengths, the non-patterns, we resist those in ourselves and in others. It's not only that it's 
difficult for us, we resist them. So if we meet a person with that strength high that we have in our non-patterns, we can feel it and we resist their energy. So sometimes we may meet a person and we go like, I don't like them and I don't even know why. They've got high, but I've got low. So if we clear out some of the energy around that, it could just be easier for us to be around those people in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I can also see how these worlds are slightly difficult to marry. Like how, how because if, if I have this positive psychology view on things, it can be tricky to look at maybe some of the things I'm experiencing are not just because I'm not in my strength, but they're all pain. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, yes. I would say it's easier for me now than it was, say, when I just found out about strengths, or maybe for the first year or so, like I had difficulty, like, you know, which view must I look at now? Now it feels like I can hear when my, when a client maybe just starts and we just start with EFT first because they come because of a problem. I'm not going to put strengths right in there from the start. So I listen to them for a few sessions and I'll start hearing the patterns talking, right? And I hear how they blame themselves for that thing or maybe other people have shamed them for it, called them labels, negative labels for something. And I can hear this actually sounds like one of these strengths that they don't know about yet and I'd love to give them that perspective and then we'll do a strength session and they'll completely shift their perspective like I did and it was like what you're telling me that this thing that I've been feeling bad about for 30 years is actually a good thing it it shifts their perspective in amazing ways and I find it then a, an incredibly powerful combination because I can keep reminding them through the sessions like, can you hear your harmony? Or can you hear your restorative? Remember it's the strength. So how can we make the most of that strength? So I keep bringing both of the things in. Because um, I still, I think my, because my own talents are more prone to looking at the past and having empathy and looking at a person as an individual and being curious about what made them the way they are. A lot of it goes more into the EFT world, but I am so grateful for this other perspective that I can keep bringing them in because so many of my, my clients find EFT hard. It's like, I don't want to go mm. look at the past. You know, why do we have to keep going back there? Or mm. I don't want to look at the negative things. So we keep bringing in this other part as well. Mm. Yeah. So I imagine we could have a whole lot more to talk about with this. Also because we literally covered like five different strengths today very briefly. Um, but yeah, what, what you're sharing just brings me to this question I've had for years, which is this, in my words, it would be, how are we built with the idea that we as humans are each built very differently. And like, I'm not sure that some system that has 34 strengths will be 
the end all be all of like these are the 34 things to look at i don't know but i find it interesting to also have this incredibly positive perspective on this is good for this yeah. and um depending on what the strengths are you have developed you should handle your life differently yeah that's pretty straightforward yeah or you, you could handle your life differently <laughs> it's my low influencing that doesn't like should um i mean if i if i listen to the to the strengths thing seriously i think they say should like on their website I'm, I'm not i'm not saying they say it in their words but basically their message is your life will be better if you do this which which for me is a is a come on come on do it come, come on <laughs> <laughs> they're also a very successful company financially so that i i guess they've got copywriters and stuff they know what they're doing but but just to give you a little clue um lucas just about and i know we're at the end of our conversation but about the uniqueness and this is super important to me for people to understand is it sounds like 34 is just a few little things like how can you possibly be unique with 34 but if we look at your top five we call them your signature strengths your top five if we look at your top five in any order the chance that anybody else has them is one in 280,000. okay if we look at your top five in the exact same order as what they came out in your assessment that chance goes down to one in 33.2 or 0.9 i forget which one one in 33.9 million that's how unique just your top five makes you and then we haven't talked about the rest of the 34 so 34 sounds like it's only a few little things and of course it's not no system con can contain a person we are too unique for that and strengths is not everything my, my strengths mentor also keeps saying not every single thing can be explained by strengths but it certainly is a huge help for us to understand ourselves and other people um, and bring compassion to we are doing the best we can with what we have and so are other people. Maybe that's a really good end point. <laughs> and we just stop here. Thank you very much for this conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Lucas. <laughs> and I'll click on this. Stop me. So, so this is this is this is one of those questions I've been pondering. Is this because I look at it a lot through this um, personal growth, self-development lens, and I think there are many places where, if we actually take care of the burdens we're carrying, things really get easier, and our life improves. But it's not like if if we've let go of all burdens, suddenly we're all the same. Like that's True. just not the way it is. <laughs> right. Like, which, which, if we look at it purely through this lens of, oh, everything that doesn't work is just your past. N no. Like, so then this, it, it gets me to the question of, okay, so you are built differently than me. I am built differently than you. Maybe we're actually meant to have really different lives. Maybe you're meant to live a different life than me if you're built differently than me. 
And I'm not judging that as better or worse. I'm just saying different. And, um, and this then brings me to questions of what does that mean, for instance, for me as a coach or therapist and the, the, the advice or the strategies I give people, because how am I supposed to give you strategies that work for me if you're built totally different? So, so that's really been one of those things I've been, or I am still struggling with like this, trying to get a grip on that. And I'm not sure that it's actually a thing that can ever be gra grasped fully, but, um, yeah, just those questions. Mm. I, I think they're huge. They are huge and they are very, very valid questions uh, because I think everybody comes from their own strengths when they teach or when they coach or when they, we can't help it. That's the way it happens. And then we are the fish in the water and we assume that whatever works for us must be the right strategy because look, it's working for us. So right strategy. So give it like a cookie cutter to everybody else and, and it cannot work that way because everybody is their own unique individual. And then depending on our strength and our strengths, then we judge that person as a this or that they're just lazy or they just don't want to implement or they're hard headed or they're stupid or they're, um, you know, whatever coming from our, uh, the lens of our own, own strengths perspective. Yeah. Every system I've ever learned, you know, every like, here's how to create a signature system, you know, here's how to get high ticket clients, uh, whatever it is, all those things that I've paid thousands of bucks for, they all teach it from their perspective and would work for them and strategies that fit inside their energy system and their needs. Which is interesting because one of the things that I've been thinking about for years now is this question of how to teach also from a based on people create their own solutions. But, but at the same time, because I know, and this is, this is again, the educational research that I come from, like most of the research on things like discovery learning and learning through challenges, shows that all of those concepts don't work. They don't work at all. Like all the schools that are based on, oh, the kids will just discover everything naturally. The research is pretty clear. The research says, no, they won't. No, no, no chance. Um, so, so that brings us to another polarity of how can I teach things but at the same time, create enough freedom for people who are built differently to implement it in a way that fits into their life. Right. And, and I find that's a really fucking difficult challenge to be in. And it's, it's one that, that, that I don't have a good solution for. Mm. That is a fascinating question. And I hope somewhere, somebody in the world is busy doing research on yeah. that. Somebody's like, huh, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> DHD. <laughs> but but, but that's, that's been a, I have had a few of those in my life of these moments of shit. Like one of them is realizing that the whole, because so much of 
the the way it's kind of thought at least in germany and in the german educational sciences of like oh discovery learning and just giving the kids freedom and all of that and the research is just like no don't do it like it, it doesn't work wow. like especially when we learn something new we need a lot of structure and that's true for everybody like that's true for everybody yes so so, so yeah so these these different parts mm. because you do need structure and then there's the exploration but first you need a few at least principles or and you need information. to implement them and use them and practice them so that then you can create your own yes that's but, right yes but but that's the, it's a bitch i would say <laughs> it is a bitch <laughs> well here's my main example that just came to me so i was six years old or eight years old and i started piano lessons there is the theory of music it's a, it's a fixed thing you know a, a note looks like this that's how you draw it there's no getting away from it these you know this is how you play this piece of music there's no getting away from it and you have to learn within those rules first and then each person could go and decide how they're going to practice that. I mean, I got up six o'clock in the morning and I practiced my scales for an hour. Maybe somebody else did it in 10 minute slots. Maybe, you know, the, the implementation or how they're going to get to the end result will be different, but there's certain principles or rules or information bits that's just the same. And then you can start. And, and now we get to the interesting part because there is one person who teaches music completely differently than the classical way music is taught especially the piano um because he basically says the system we have right now is incredibly complex for no reason like the way we read notes and the way we look at the even looking at the piano keyboard um so you know the piano so one of the ways he taught one of the small things he's changed but he says that it changed everything is rather than teaching his students from the C key, mm -hmm. he's teaching them from the D. Because if you teach them from the D, it's symmetrical. And when it's symmetrical, it's so much easier to learn. So why do you start from the C? Right. Where, you, where you have no symmetry. Yes. So he's teaching them from the D key to teach them, teach them symmetrically. And he says, it's cut his work in half. Just because they don't have to learn, oh, in this direction it works like this, in this direction, it, it's the same in both directions. That's fascinating. Gosh, yes, a small change. And the notes are still called the same thing. Yes. They, you still play D major like that, C major like that, but you start learning from a different point. Wow. So, so that's, and this is then, now we enter a whole different area, but, but I mean, this goes into the question of how to teach and how to also cater to people's strengths, but also how to find the principles yeah. and make those as simple as possible. Absolutely. And, yeah. Wow, Thomas. <laughs> it's okay, you can just call me Thomas. It works. <laughs> shame <laughs> i'm so sorry for the recording this is liesel's mistake 
No problem. Uh, I'm going to click on stop again. <laughs>